0: Frank, tell me about the heart
1: song. The heart song? What the heart song means? Yes. The heart song is literally the song that your heart sings. It's the song that tells you what to do. It's the song that you live your life by. That's your heart song.
0: I believe Blaise Pascal said, the heart knows reasons that the mind doesn't. Okay, you might not have said it that way, but um, I believe that also fits into your heart song. You're a bit of a philosopher.
1: Yeah, yeah. The heart song is is something that uh, you really can't necessarily pin down. There's, there's, there's no logic behind it, but it's there, and you know it when you know it, and you feel it
0: when you feel it. Welcome to Bill and Frank's Guilt-Free Pleasures.
1: So on uh, today's episode, we're going to be introducing someone who uh, a good friend of a good friend of uh, Bill and I's and a good uh, good friend of the show, Mr. David Kitchen, and he is going to help us to explain this song and why it's his heart song. So uh, welcome here, Dave. Thanks for uh, thanks for joining us and joining us in the Winchester.
2: Thank you guys for having me. Um, yeah, this song is a classic from my um, adolescence. And a big movie that I was a huge fan of. uh, I'm sure we're going to talk about later. Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. But I have a personal story that goes with Brian Adams. Not so much the song, but Brian Adams. Brian Adams holds a special place in my house because my wife got to go on stage with him when in two, in the early 2000s he kind of famously had a, a benefit for a cancer ward here in saint Catharines with linda evangelista and it was like a two-prong event it was a dinner and then the concert after and kate my wife was at the dinner and she shared a table with a local painter named trisha romance and trisha romance had front row seats and there were four in that party and then kate and her friends so there were six at the table um, and it turns out that the reason Kate was at that table is because she had tickets with the other twosome side by side, just coincidentally. And so when Trisha Romance found out, she gave Kate her front row seats so they could sit beside their friends. And then oh, wow. so then they leave the dinner with these upgraded tickets and they go to the show, and Kate's sitting in the front row. And when it's that moment where they bring somebody from the audience, it's kate and kate wow. Kate had her courtney cox dancing in the dark moment in her in saint catherine's and she got to bang a tambourine with linda evangelista while brian adams sang on in concert so anytime brian adams gets brought up in our household kate perks up like a puppy dog and so this is uh the fact that i'm doing this she doesn't even know i'm doing this actually but the fact that i'm doing this will mean a
0: lot to her when she finds out that's fantastic I'd like to think Trish Romance also painted a picture of it. It's a Victorian scene in watercolor.
1: Yeah, there's lots of flowers and whatnot, so yeah.
2: A couple of door columns in there as well.
0: (laughs) I also said I would have a story. We didn't know what Dave's story was going to be when he brought it up. My story is a definite step down. I remember this song well when it first came out, and... I was mini golfing when the song came on. I was mini golfing with this girl I liked. And I had sent a letter. We did this sort of letter exchange back and forth at camp. And, you know, do you like me? I didn't quite do the checkbox because I was, I'm not a cli- I'm not a walking cliche. No. I mean, okay, I was somewhat am. But I, in that, uh, in the moment, she, uh, she said, uh, I like this song. And I said, I like this song too. That was my story. It was a really big moment, and then uh, two months later, she uh, sent me a letter that said, saying she uh, didn't feel the same way she did about me when we were mini golfing.
2: So everything she would do, she wouldn't do it for you. No, <laughs> no. right. No.
0: Everything I did was was for not.
1: Yeah, <laughs> and not not to one up here, but uh, my story about this song is that I know this song, so. I mean, there's that.
0: I love we could have a story of decreasing returns. <laughs> Thank you, Kate, for that.
1: Yeah. So we, uh, you know, we called our shot. We hit the home run right off the hop. And now uh, it's uh, it's been a lot of double plays we've been hitting so far, so... <laughs>
0: All right, where are we going with this? So, what, how we want to start this? Do we want to talk about the song history? Should we go there first? Yeah. Or do we want to talk about, the yeah?
1: Well, let, let's talk about the song history and then the uh, the attachment with the movie. Yes, and then it was not as as successful in the awards circuit as it potentially could, or everyone should, should or thought that it would be. I think this is a good uh, good place to go.
0: Yeah. yeah. Well, um, let's see. It was number one in nineteen countries, but not Spain or Italy. Just
1: <laughs> well, those are the big ones, right? Like if, if you're so, if you're not breaki- so breaking breaking that Spanish market, you're <laughs> yeah.
0: Sorry, Brian, but the the uh, real romantic languages weren't digging this. Sixteen straight weeks on the UK single charts, which is unparalleled. There's never been a single really? on the UK charts that's been this long. Not even that Old Town Road or that Drake stuff. Drake got about and 15 weeks. Nothing, like no Beatles or no anything Beatles, like that? But 16 straight weeks, 15 million copies sold. That's what I uh, uh, found on, <laughs> on uh, Wikipedia. <laughs>
2: yeah, it was um, produced by Mutt Lang.
1: Yes, oh yeah, that's right.
2: Who did the album, And but the song came from the composer of the... Um, the movie who was doing the score and then you so there was some sampling and it was all born out of this idea that they were going to take a sample from the the movie and then turn it into a song and his idea was that it was going to be from Maid marion's perspective and so they had actually shopped it around to kate bush and uh, I can't remember. There were a couple others.
0: Annie Lennox and Lisa Stansfield. Lisa Stansfield. That's Lisa Stansfield. Wow. Been around the world. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. And I, I I, can't find my baby.
0: But she did not want anything to do with this.
2: No. And apparently it was really bland. And, and the studio wanted it to be of the time. So they wanted lutes. They wanted... Uh, and all the women... Passed on it, and so it was just kind of sitting there. And then somehow, I don't know what the connection with Brian Adams was, but it got they got Brian Adams involved. And then Brian, they said it was a 45 minute from demo to not the final recording and mastering, but just kind of the conception of the song.
0: Wow, well, it loses to Beauty and the Beast at the Oscars,
1: yeah, which is um, kind of makes sense a little bit, but it's, it's still like. Those are two juggernauts. That's a heavyweight bout right there. Like that's, that's a big fight, uh, between those, uh, between those songs.
0: So Frank, if we were to go to your, uh, Spotify, would we find you'd have more listens to Celine Dion's Beauty and the Beast or more listens to everything I do?
1: That's a, that's a tough one. I, uh, yeah, well, there's, there's, well, guys, you know, it's it's a complicated question, really. Um, we'll, 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 we'll circle back to this. It's Beauty and the Beast. So it loses
2: at the Oscars, but it wins the Grammy because I think it's a better standalone song and it doesn't have the Disney machinery yeah. behind
0: it. And actually, this is the weird part, is that it wins the Grammy for motion picture the next year, so 1992, Beauty and the Beast wins. And so, oh. for some reason, they're both competing in the Oscars, but then they're not competing. In the same way, Eric Little and the other guy in Chariots of Fire don't compete against each other. <laughs> Except in that one race. Yeah, <laughs> <where laughs> Eric Little wins that race.
1: Yeah. It wasn't run on a Sunday,
0: that's why. Exactly.
2: Shout out at the Junos, too. It, yeah, lo- it lost running. all the big big awards because Tom Cochran's Mad Mad World came out that's that right. year.
0: Life is a highway. Life
2: yeah. is a highway. Secret is to know when to stop. No regrets, and um, but yeah, it, that was the one, and and that I think is part of. There's something uniquely Canadian about when somebody wins big on the international stage. There's a humility that comes over us where yeah. we have to go down a route where we're gonna start supporting the smaller acts. Yeah, yeah. That, it was a better album. Tom Cochran's album to me was a better album, yeah. but but it's there's something about when we make it big. We're schizophrenic in the sense that we love the attention, but then we don't know what to do with it, and then we end up turning our back on it a little bit.
0: Call Tom Cochran's acceptance speech. He said, "Brian, I w- uh, this would be uh, you should have won this song. I remember it. I yeah. remember being a kid. Like I, I hate my country. <laughs> <laughs> I'm more offended than when Brian Norris tripped in the Boytano <laughs> thing at the '88 Olympics.
1: This is a uh, Brian's all over here, right?
0: Battle of the Brian's.
1: Yeah, but uh, yeah, I think I think in people's memories though. They think probably that this song won it all because it was literally everywhere. Like the summer that it came out, um, and being attached with, with the movie, the uh, Robin Hood Prince of Thieves. Like it, you could not turn on any radio station and not hear it, or
2: TV. Yeah, yeah. because it was a double punch. It was you, you got the studio behind the album, and then you've got the movie studio behind the movie. So yeah, yeah. it's coming at you from two forums. And I think like this is the one tough thing to remember back to is that we didn't have Spotify. We didn't have Choose Your Own Music the way it is now. So yeah. so you got hit. You got inundated with this stuff. And when yeah. the song got popular, it got played a ton. And it, you're right. It was everywhere.
1: Yeah, you're forced to listen to it regardless. But yeah, it was on soft rock stations. I remember uh, the first time I heard it was on 97.7 Hits FM, which uh, uh, those of you in the St. Catharines area would know as the uh, the rock station in, uh, in southern Ontario. and uh, But that was the first place I remember hearing the song.
0: Okay, that was for me a follow-up question. Did you hear it first or see it first? I always feel this important part of this era is I saw it first. And so for me, it was before Robin Hood came out. And whatever I expected of Robin Hood was from the mo- this video. And the video framed how i would always hear this well i would hear this song in the 90s yeah. it's faded a bit now i just hear it for the pure goodness um yeah
1: i definitely heard it first because i i didn't uh i didn't have cable at the time so i didn't have uh didn't have the much music and uh and all of that so i can see everyone's looking at me with, yeah uh, it's okay with pity you, and uh, yeah
0: you can you, talk it out talk it out
1: there's really not much to talk about. Right. Uh, my parents didn't spring for cable until uh, until I was uh, 15, I think. Kitch,
0: I I think
2: I saw it because it was the glory day of videos on TV, plus movies releasing albums or songs to, to accompany movies. Yeah. yeah. When you know you think of the 90s, it's kind of a glory that you had "Kiss from a Rose." And this begins an arc in Brian Adams' career where he goes from here to uh, the the song with Sting and Phil Collins, right? No, uh, with no.
1: Uh, Rod Stewart. Rod Stewart, right? Yeah, All, All for love, yeah. Which, which is Three Musketeers, which is a terrible, terrible song, right? It's I, that will not. We will not do a guilt-free pleasure about that one. We will. We will do a guilty pleasure about that song.
2: That's right. But then, and then he goes from there, keeping the medieval movie theme alive. He goes from there to Don Juan de Marco with "Have yes. you ever loved a woman?" Oh,
1: yes, that's right. I I mean, really, about
2: that song. ever loved a woman? <laughs> <laughs> so, that's so, a good song. Yeah. So just for his career, this is the beginning of a shift, and I wonder if that's why on the awards, it's a turning point in his career because he goes from the sort of raspy rock of Reckless in '87. And this is where you get Summer 69 and songs like that. Mm-hmm. Or the album before that with Run to You and things like that. And then he goes full pop. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And so it's a turning point in his career, but also kind of buying into that stuff. And we saw it a, a later on with Celine Dion with the, um, the Titanic song, where all of a sudden, right, there's that perfect pairing of movies and songs. Yeah. And it was everywhere.
0: And they hit their zenith, right? I mean, this album, the Waking Up the Neighbors, went diamond in Canada, yeah. which is crazy. Yeah. There's not too many albums go diamond. Mm-hmm. And this was every. They played all those singles on Much Music all the time. It was on the radio all the time. It was mm-hmm. everywhere. And so the stretch from 91 to 93, I think, just like nonstop, Brian Adams.
1: Yeah.
2: And there's a vacuum in Canadian culture, too, because there's nobody else, right? Yeah. 95 is when... Jagged Little Pill comes out, and uh, Shania Twain's... I I can't remember the name of the album, but her big one. um, The Woman to Me? Yeah, that one comes out. Also Um, Mutt Lang. Yeah, another Mutt Lang production. Well, and his career goes through a similar arc, because he starts off... His big break is Highway to Hell with ACDC.
1: That's right, yeah. And then
2: then he does uh, Back in Black, and then he does... Um, there's other things in as well, but he does hysteria and pyromania by Def Leppard, so he's in that kind of power pop rock, right? And then right around this time, he starts to go off, and then he's doing Shania Twain, and then by by 2000, he's well, literally, doing... yeah,
1: because they got married, <laughs> <laughs> famously got married. <laughs> Sorry.
2: And then famously cheated on her, yeah, with a guy. And then they did the spouse swap, yeah. So so Shania Twain gets cheated on by Mutt Lang, and then the guy that Mutt Lang was cheating on his wife with ends up with me- meeting up with Shania. Yeah, they get, they get married. It's the weirdest
0: switcheroo. It's death. That's, that's a Hallmark movie.
1: Is it Hallmark After Dark
0: or? Ooh, yeah, that's a Hallmark After Dark. Yeah, yeah. Is that where they kiss,
2: not just hold hands?
0: Yeah. Right. Okay. yeah
1: sometimes, be- sometimes even open mouth. <laughs> but, uh, so I have a question. Um, do you think the song would have been as popular as it was if it wasn't attached to the movie, which was incredibly popular because uh, it was featuring the greatest living actor of all time, Kevin Costner?
0: I'd say no, I think the movie it was a huge launching pad. The song was perfect, but because it uses that opening piano riff from the movie, right? It's got mm-hmm. this because it's so cinematic, I don't think you could it, it would exist otherwise. It surpassed the movie in terms of, outside of, like, let's say the three of us, definitely two of us haven't watched Robin Hood in 20 years. Right. I have not either. Frank, uh, I would like to
1: point out that uh, you say that it surpassed the movie. You are aware that it it features the right honorable Kevin Costner as Robin Hood.
0: Should we go there right now with Kevin Costner as Robin Hood?
2: one of the worst turns uh, of casting an American who doesn't even attempt an accent because that's how lousy an actor he is.
1: I will physically fight you <laughs> on a podcast. It's, it's going to be really awkward, but I will physically fight you on this.
0: Now, because for me... I had such high hopes for the movie because that video was. Can so we talk great.
1: a little bit more
0: about the slight that I just uh, endured here? I think we're coming. We're circling back to it for another. You're going to get hit again, really <laughs> hard. So just brace yourself. But the um, the video is great. You can't get the video online anywhere because who, the guy who owns the rights to it or the company yeah. keeps having it pulled down for oh, some really? reason. The video is great. Have you tried the dark web? No, I haven't don't. tried the dark. No, don't. <laughs> So, so the uh but you can't get the video but when the video came out it made the movie look so epic that no matter what it was by the time you saw the movie everything i do doesn't come on till the end and so everything else yeah. is like what what am i and so anything else in between couldn't match the quality of that video yeah and it's um i mean we really need to like i'm a big kevin Costner fan too the untouchables incredible yeah and then you just, you're cheering for Costner. But there, there's a scene where his in English accent comes and goes within a, definitely the same shot. Like he just gave up.
1: I don't know. I don't think that he gave up, I think that he nailed it so well that he didn't feel he needed to go on any further with the accent. It's I think it's quite evident.
0: Robin Hood was made anything pre-Lord of the Rings just looks like a bunch of Americans playing cosplay in the forest. Wow. I uh I am in the minority here, aren't yeah. I? Yeah. Okay. We lost ourselves in Kevin Costner. Yeah. Um what well, we were talking
2: about with the song would be as as,
1: as big as it was, if it wasn't for the movie,
0: yeah.
2: I, what do you think? I think no, because his his follow up to Reckless had no hits on it, it right? So he had um, Summer '69 in '84, in '87 he releases his follow up, and it's pretty empty. So this one without the boost of the movie, I don't know. I don't know what would happen.
1: This was the uh, this was the album that definitely launched Brian Adams on a on a massive international stage I, I I think he was always kind of he was popular but because of this song and because of its attachment to the movie that's why this album just basically exploded right like it, it was yeah. so uh, so popular I, I can't think of any household that didn't own this album I didn't own the album but your household did I bet your sister had it um
0: that's a good question do you want to text her and ask i do i kurt had it so my brother-in-law would have it for sure yeah the length of the album 74 minutes and 52 seconds that's a long album in the 90s they that's... just kept pushing it they yeah. maxed
2: out the cd yeah because yeah.
0: that's about as much as you can put on a cd yeah, yeah. you can do 78 minutes i think in genesis we can't dance was like 77 minutes yeah just like yeah. oh my goodness this is so long <laughs> now you get an album what is that? Bruno Mars, like twenty eight minutes yeah. wins a Grammy. It's like twenty eight minutes. Isn't that an EP? Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's a double album. What's oh, double? Yeah. Oh, here's the singles. Ready? Okay. Everything I do, I do it for you. Can't stop this thing we started. There will never be another tonight. Yes. Thought I died and gone to heaven. All I want is you. I don't remember that one. Here's a big one. This is interesting because, like, back in the nineties, you'd have your um the the big singles wouldn't always be the first one. Do mm-hmm. I have to say the words? Do you remember that song? Yeah. That's a that was great. Touch the hand. I remember that. So seven singles. Wow. 7 of 15. It's not bad. Um do you know that of the Brian Adams songs, Everything I Do is the second most played on YouTube. What do you Do you really? know what the first one is?
1: I'm going to say Summer 69.
0: And you're incorrect.
1: Heaven. Is it heaven? In, heaven, heaven is
0: heaven is number three.
1: Oh wow! Okay,
0: really? Yeah. Summer '69s like it's top five though, right? I hope so. I would. I would heaven. think so. What
1: is it?
0: Please forgive me.
1: <gasps>
0: yes, that was from the next album, wasn't it? That was from the greatest hits album. Okay. And so that's a huge one. The UK loves Brian Adams. Yeah. Brian Adams actually lives in the UK, okay. and he does a better accent. <laughs> Than Kevin Costner. Oh, come on! <laughs> he does. And he doesn't... He has one of those accents where you're like, is that... So I listened to an interview. I heard an interview like a, 15 years ago. And it was like strong on the English. I'm like, oh, okay, listen, buddy. You're not picking up an accent. Like not this strong. But I heard him recently, like last year or a couple years ago in an interview. And so he had a slight things where he'd have an English thing. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't like as pronounced. But he's he's lives in from what I gather he lives in England. Okay. And I mean his his other career is actually bigger right now than his music. It's his photography. Mm-hmm. It's like a, he photographed the Queen. Yeah, that's oh, right. Really. Yeah. Okay. And so and
2: him living in in England brought up some problems for this album because it wasn't considered Canadian content, which is one of the reasons that the Junos kind of looked hard at it because there's there's um, there's like four categories and you have to hit two of the four. Like one is you have to be Canadian. Um, it has to be either recorded in Canada or the musicians have to, or, is, you know, is written entirely by Canadian. So because the song is written by the movie score guy with Adams, it doesn't, it's not exclusively Canadian. Mm-hmm. So it was out of the running for CanCon. And then they had to kind of rejig just to make this count so which is one of the reasons it got a ton of play in canada because it it was not only a hit but then it satisfied the cancon content
0: yeah and looking right here it says if adams had written all the lyrics and lang had written all the music or vice versa it would have counted as cancon because it was a split it wasn't it's crazy gotta open those borders canada unbelievable he said you wouldn't
2: you wouldn't accuse elton john of being un-british
1: yeah, but he lives in well, not now. He lives in uh, B.C., doesn't he? With his I'm married to a guy oh, from Toronto. Yeah, yeah. I think I think they live in uh, in B.C. So, um, Brian Adams, uh, Canada's uh, Elton John, I would say, right? Because he lives in Britain, right?
0: Let's talk about the music, or let's talk about the song. So, um, I will. I have a listed here in my notes. Okay, what is the most memorable part of the song for you? Or like so melody-wise, what what do you think of when you think of this song?
1: The most memorable part is, uh, I think it's at the end of the, the last chorus. When it gets quiet, I would die for you. Then the piano and the fade out, you know it's true. Everything I do, I do it for you. Then the oh's, I do it for you. I, uh i know i started singing that but then i i, I pulled back the reins here you lost bit. your confidence oh very much so when as soon as i heard myself singing that was uh yeah, yeah I for you.
0: you know it's true everything
2: For me, I don't even know what the music part of it is, but it's always the, the it's the splitting of the arrows in the video. <laughs> yes. So when he shoots his own arrow and he splits it in half.
0: It's <laughs> so huge. It's such a ridiculous thing to look at now where the arrow looks like a it looks just like a, a big q tip. <laughs> if you watch it now. <laughs> That's right. Does not look like an arrow. Yeah. And it's like in front of a screen. Yeah.
2: Um, the arrow point of view shot. Yeah. yeah. It didn't really revolutionize cinema all that much.
0: No, no. <laughs> um, the The very opening piano riff, oh, okay. that's like, for me, as soon as I hear it, it's like this huge. I started looking through YouTube clips yes. to try and find, like, to find where they, they got the inspiration for the song, the I Do It For You, that's made Marian says it to him in that speech where they meet in front of the water, and she says, will you tell King Richard... Will you do it for your country? I will do it for you. And then she kisses him. And then the blind guy says, I can see that you like each other. It's like, not funny. uh, It's pretty funny. I guess.
1: Because he's
0: blind. So he can't really see, but he can tell. He says that. He says, he said, it's just when watching it, it's like, oh, then I thought about the movie and that he had his eyes put out at the beginning. By Like the witch was there, and then they strung up Robin Hood's father in a cage. I'm like, whoo. Why are you letting 12-year-olds watch movies where it's like Satanists are putting people in kids It's like the Wicker Man. It opens with the Wicker Man ending. It's like putting them in a <laughs> cage. Like, Not is- the bees! <laughs> yeah, what is this? Well, I can't believe the 90s, the type of things that would go on in movies right now. They would never think about yeah. doing these things. Um. <laughs> okay. The uh, i feel the song has like a perfect kind of build where if you think about it you listen to it it is a hard rock song in its own sort of way it's got like in that era that has the strong electric guitars it's moving its way to that mm-hmm. ending like the bridge is pretty heavy yeah and then the song the part that you just sang
1: yeah well that that sort of just brings it to a yeah. to a conclusion just a nice little it's heading to hard rock, and then he goes... Oh, yeah, he then he, it down. He, he, he changes gears. That's, that's a very musical term, changing gears.
0: yeah that's all i gotta say about the music i don't uh i i got some favorite lyrics do you have a favorite lyric
1: oh, i did i haven't even thought about that okay, okay let's hear
0: let's hear i'm gonna give you mine okay there's nowhere unless you're there, no unless you're there that's it where's chris newkirk Chris Newkirk, I think you wish you could write something that great. <laughs>
1: he's, he's listening to this and cursing you. You know that, yeah, right? For right? sure. He, he'll never be back on the show. <laughs> not because we're not inviting him. He's just, uh, he has an axe to grind against you now, yeah. Bill. Yeah. I have
2: the opposite of a favorite line. Okay. okay. The, the way, so you talked about the music kind of building to a crescendo. Mm-hmm. Um, But then when he says that he'd die for you, it always, even when I was a kid, I was about 15, I think when the song came out, I always thought that was the dumbest thing that anybody could ever say to somebody, unless you're like a parent who's like, there's a truck careening towards your kid or something like that. But to make an oath or a pledge like that is just so romantic movie, uh, hooey to me. And it always stuck with me.
0: Easy with the language there. <laughs> Do you think... Now, if Brian Adams dies for her, is he going to be okay when she marries somebody else?
2: Well, this is it, right? This is this is why you'd curse her for the rest. For the rest of her life, if you did that.
0: It'd be tough to be the, the next guy in line. Yeah. Oh, so here's the crescendo. I'll be there,
2: yeah. I'd walk the wire for you. But that's not enough. And that's just walking the wire. He would die for her. And then he says, oh yeah, I would die for you. I'm going all the way, all the way.
0: <laughs> or you're reading the lyrics because that's the end, the extra two and a half minutes yeah. that attacked tacked on. You're like, what? No, no, I don't want to hear these. I don't want to hear any of this. Right. You don't You don't like the uh, the nine minute version of this song? <laughs> I hate those extra two minutes where it's just the same tune. It doesn't even have the piano going on. It's just like Brian Adams. Live or i'm like I don't want to hear this. I I came here for the piano thing. He was gonna say he's gonna die for her, and then that's it. I mean, uh, maybe he's a terrible wire walker. He There's he
1: could no if room. he could walk
0: that wire, he wouldn't <laughs> die for her. He's
1: no Nick Willenda, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know if I have a favorite lyric.
0: <laughs> this is the first time you've looked at the lyrics. <laughs> it's it, you're not lying. I don't know if there is a good lyric in this song.
1: It's, yeah. it's an amazing song, but...
2: Yeah, you know, it's a simple song, but it's... You know, I, I keep thinking I'm going back to my 15-year-old self where it was just, you know, a 15-year-old who doesn't understand complex lyrics, and this is right in the wheelhouse. Oh, so yeah, it's yeah. got all the yeah. makings of big Hollywood summer blockbuster, yeah. Yeah. summer song... Right, And it's just perfect.
0: Yeah, I'm with you on this. Um, Frank, I got one for you. And Kitch. We haven't talked over this, but... I know, Frank, you don't know because you've done no research. (laughs) I listened to my heart song. I listened to Dave's heart song. (laughs) Um, They rejected a singer's tune.
1: I don't know what that means.
0: Okay, (laughs) let's try this again. There was a singer who is big to guilt-free Pleasures who Mm -hmm. put out a song. He had a major song on a major sequel from the 80s, and they thought it was too pretty. Peter Cetera. Peter Cetera. Peter Cetera has a song he made for Robin Hood. Oh, really? But I don't know if we've ever heard it. I need to hear that song. If we email Peter Cetera, do you think he would sing it for us? Uh, Through clenched teeth? Yeah. Let's go to some categories. Yep. Can this be a wedding dance? Oh, absolutely. 100%. This can be the main wedding dance.
1: Yeah. It was the main wedding dance for about five years, I think. Yeah.
0: Okay. Can this be an interpretive dance at a public school talent show?
1: Oh, yeah. Like, you know, the, the hearts turning into birds that fly away oh, and stuff I like see. that. Yeah. That's
2: a good category. Yeah. 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 Oh, totally. Yeah. So, well,
0: you know what? Though there's a lot of death talk in it. So I don't know. I would die for you. They could lie down every time they say it. <laughs> and, and like plunge it, plunge a fake knife into
1: their heart or something. Okay, like this that. will have to
0: be a high school talent show. We can't yeah. have it at elementary. Yeah. Maybe junior high, maybe grade 7 and 8. Maybe 7 and 8. Yeah. I would die for you. Yeah, a lot of death. Yeah. yeah. Could be you'd have to have a trigger warning before you do this at well, a talent show. Well, not, not in
1: 1992 you wouldn't have to.
2: And how many kids are falling off that wire
1: before they finally
2: get across <laughs> that wire? That's right.
0: Yeah, because you could act out acting across the wire. Yeah, this
1: is this is a great pantomime song.
2: It's got it all. It's got fights, right? I would fight for you, yeah. right? Um, I I would sacrifice. Look into my eyes. Look into your heart. Right. So there's tons of action you could do on this.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is a perfect action song.
1: Yeah.
0: Okay, um, who else could sing this song? The
1: contemporary? I'm oh, sorry. Uh,
0: uh, from that era or from this era? Because th- okay, I don't
1: know. I don't know singers from this era. Yeah,
0: we don't care we so would have to define ourselves as people who stopped listening to music after 1994 <laughs> so pretty much
2: but this genre doesn't exist anymore so no. it's so hard you, you really would have to find something jarring because yeah, like- crooning movie singles don't yeah. exist anymore
0: Ed Sheeran be able to sing this song? I don't oh, think so. Oh, that's
2: a good call. Maybe.
0: What, what about Rod Stewart doing the American Songbook Part 19, <laughs> where he's now made it up to the 90s? He's
2: so old that he could do this song. Yeah, he just good. he waited it out.
1: Uh,
0: well, I think,
1: because uh, we, we talked about this uh, in a previous episode, that um, Brian Adams could have sang a Richard Mark song, but could Richard Mark sing this song?
2: Ooh.
1: Oh, Richard Marx Got the piano. Mm-hmm.
2: You know? I think it could work. Yeah. I see this more as, as a, a lifeline to a, a failed singer, right? Because they're taking... This is an easy one right across the plate. Oh, yeah. Right? It's a, it's... This is a John Stamos... Trying to revive his career. Oh,
0: John Stamos could do this. Yeah, yeah. John Stamos yeah, would yeah.
2: definitely do some. Somebody like that, somebody who's never really made it, and then just relies on covers of of really David successful songs. It
0: would do huge in in Germany. Would it go to number one in Spain or Italy? Ah, uh, that's a that's a tough market. <laughs> Melissa Etheridge. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I'd go to. Yeah. Lana Miles. It's to the Canadian connection would yeah. just overlap on
1: itself. Yeah, its own. and other than Black Velvet, I don't know anything else that Atlanta Miles really love is Lover of Mine. Oh, that's right. Yeah,
2: but it's funny you bring that up because that she was a contemporary of the song. I bet. I yeah. bet if you looked yeah. up that song, it would be in 90, 91, yep. something yep. like that. Because yeah. that's the interesting. Like there wasn't there wasn't anything on the pop scene in Canada at that point. Mm -hmm. right it was it was i I know i said this earlier but it was it was a bit of a vacuum and there was there was nobody else so to bring in a canadian to do it it'd just be too like
1: yeah i don't know i would like to counter that uh that statement with uh mitsu (laughs) we had mitsu that's right french French version
0: french version of this that would work
2: Yeah. yeah yeah oh yeah Oh, then, and then you get your Cancon.
0: Oh, yeah, Rock
1: Rock Foisine. Rock, voisin. Yeah. rock I think he, like, a Cancon French version of the song. Yes, absolutely. He would not, oh, he would
0: knock this out of the park. Celine Dion in Vegas. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, because she's that. the only one.
2: Who has a – she's Canadian. She has a movie song of her own yep. that could
0: compete at this yeah. level. Well, she has a
1: number. She has Beauty and the Beast. and oh, yeah, that's uh, right.
0: And uh, Titanic. My heart will go on, yeah. Could, could. Brian Adams do Beauty and the Beast? Songs as
2: old as time. That yeah. song? Yeah. What, what song does Celine Dion do? Beauty could, and that's, that's the one. Yeah. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. yeah. I with
1: uh, with Peebo Bryson. Oh. Yeah. Well, then,
2: uh, no, I thought it was the old lady from uh, Murder, Wrote. You
0: got it. Uh, that Oh, no, for in, you. In, in the movie. In, in the movie and yeah. at the Oscars. Oh, that's right. Yeah, wow. yeah in the movie, but the,
1: the soundtrack or the, uh, the song is oh, released. Oh, the official release.
0: Could Angela Lansbury do everything I do? I do it for you.
1: <laughs> With Andy Griffith as a duet? That would be fantastic. All right, we got it.
2: Oh, my goodness.
1: I would pay money for that.
0: I would pay lots of money for that. I think this is a terrific heart song.
1: I think this is a great heart song.
0: And um, are we going to ask Chris Newkirk what he thinks about this? I I don't care what Chris Newkirk thinks about this. This is a heart song song. Yeah, we know what he thinks. He hates this song. Look into my eyes
1: If I'm not mistaken, the song begins with "Look into my eyes." Yes, <laughs> is that the first lyric? Yep. Yeah. yeah, I think any any song or statement or any mode of communication that begins with "Look into my eyes," you know the rest is bullshit, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like. And the song begins with "Look into my eyes." I can just—I know I can just tune the rest out because it's going to be bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) So that's sort of—that's sort of my thought on that song. That's sort of how I look at it. I really don't need to listen any further.
0: Look into my
1: eyes, you will see.
2: I think uh, the one thing we haven't talked about is how this allowed Brian Adams to pretty much spend the rest of his days photographing supermodels. This is a huge launching pad for him because summer 69 and and reckless was, was a big album, but it wasn't big this way. Right. This is, this is certified across the globe. Right. Except for
1: Spain and Italy,
2: 15 million copies sold. And then he does the most cool thing, which is just goes and then films or,
0: uh, shoots, supermodel yeah. yeah and the queen and a queen yeah. Who's the yeah. ultimate supermodel i suppose <laughs> yeah. but it's just incri- like he's got a whole book of stuff and to give him credit he donates all the proceeds to yeah. like cancer charities yeah like it's like he's like a big it's a big deal for him so yeah, the man has a big heart yeah. Yeah. yeah and so he's a he's a he seems like he's a sort of he's definitely an artist it's a weird thing because he's such a rocker like when i was a kid i'm like okay yeah. this is like a man's man Whatever that means. Well, yeah, he
1: wore the Canadian tuxedo and uh, yeah. he
0: rocked out. But he was, all, but he's also like, he is a pure artist. Like he, like when he's not doing music, he's doing some other form of art. Yep. his his stuff is good. Like I, I'm not a huge fan of later stuff.
2: Oh, I have uh, to no 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 I have to counter that. Yeah, the 2002 soundtrack, not just a song, but the entire soundtrack to Spirit of the Cimarron, a movie, an animated movie, one of, one of DreamWorks' early animated movies with matt damon as the main guy um is a fantastic album in its own right like it's it's not a if you watch a movie and listen to the soundtrack it's incredible it's not a not an album i would just pick up and listen to but as a soundtrack it is and this is 2002 so this is a full decade after this yeah
0: okay guilt-free pleasures uh movie night or also, there's the the song
1: uh, he did with uh, Mel B from the from the Spice Girl.
0: That is a great song. That is a great song. Yeah, um, I'll give you that. I, so I feel like he's a except. Ball, I'm gonna have to listen to the soundtrack album. I felt like he had sing like he had a song called "Everything That Looks Good on Me Is You." I thought, it was oh, yeah. like, awful. <laughs> just I remember like, that song in Cloud Nine. I remember because I worked in a shoe store and they played it all the time on the ca- Canadian radio. Funny enough, like just like oh man. It has been a pleasure to have Dave Kitchen on Bill and Frank's Guilt Free Pleasures. Dave, thank you so much for
1: coming and joining us and just uh, spending your time with us talking about your heart song. This has been absolutely fantastic.
2: Well, it's been great. And I got to tell the story of uh, my wife dancing with Brian Adams. So she'll be thrilled. No, but this has been great guys.
0: I appreciate it. Thanks. This is not the last we've seen of Dave Kitchen. No, no, no.
1: And, uh, Uh, As we uh, sort of draw this uh, episode to a close, we uh, encourage everyone to listen to the heart song of their life. This has been Bill and Frank's Guilt-Free Pleasures.